Uh, anyways, uh, today, today, uh, question 12, our final question, uh, why is evangelism full of good news and great joy? Now, that question, I don't know if you catch on to this, kind of why I coined it that way. Why is evangelism full of good news and great joy? Um, and I give you that reference of not the question being asked, of course, but Luke 2.10 uh, about uh, the good news of great joy uh, and how I kind of put those two together in a question. But why is evangelism full of good news and great joy? Why don't we start with a word of prayer? Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, we know that your word, uh, your will is done through your very word. Bless us as we continue to uh, enjoy and live in the name that you have brought us to be, that by your redemption we live the victorious life as you continue to give us the joy to love and serve those that you have placed in our life. Bless us with our words and lead us with great uh, comfort to proclaim this word to those that need to hear it. Lord, for all these things we are thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, why is evangelism full of good news and great joy? Why is it when I think evangelism, what do you think of quickly? Initial, initial thought. When I say evangelism, what do you say? Gospel. Oh, good. That's, that's good. Billy Graham knocking on the door? Yeah? Well, what else do you guys think about evangelism? Um, let's say on the, the more, uh, what's the word uh, I'm trying to hint towards? Uh, the more apprehensive side of things. What do you might think? Do we have the right words? Rejection, uh, especially with those that are close to us, family members, cousins, neighbors. What, will, what, if, what happens if our relationship is, um, what's the word? Severed. Severed by my proclamation of Christ. Uh, what are other thoughts about evangelism? Um, some people might say, not my job. Someone might say that's the evangelism committee's job. <laughs> oh, you're laughing. But no, it, it's true. Not my job. Uh, and again, it's not really a job. Anyways, we'll talk about that today. Uh, but why is evangelism full of good news and great joy? I think for us as, as Lutherans, this is something that I think we all can be very confident in because of what we believe, teach, and confess that this question really does bring out the great, bold, and confident, and assuring proclamation of Christ and in Him crucified, right? But the question is, within a question, what is evangelism in itself? Uh, Don said gospel, right? Um, it is. Uh, is it anything else other than the gospel? Is evangelism, I guess another question would be, what is successful evangelism? I've talked about this before in previous evangelism-themed Bible studies, but what is successful evangelism? What do you think that is? Successful. Okay. Um, is it more than that, Don? Hearing the word? 
Um, but why is, what is it about successful that can be misconstrued in so many different ways about evangelism? There's usually a man-made criteria that goes with successful, and that's absolutely wrong. So basically, successful means uh, a lot of people think success, successful evangelism is when they believe or are converted. Right? That if they're not converted and they reject you, it's not successful evangelism. Now, is that correct? I think they were talking about planting. Uh, if they hear the word, it's kind of planting the seed, and, and you might not see the success for, you might not ever see it. You might um, not be around this person when, when the word is, uh, takes hold. Takes hold, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in light of that, Anthony, you know, when we talk about successful evangelism, it's not the act of converting someone, because someone, you know, trust me, there are Christians who are very burdened by evangelism. I mean, what I'm saying is this, it's, I have to do that. Not only have to do that, but I need to tally how many people I have converted, because the more I convert, the more successful that is, and the better child of God I am. I'm dead serious. Uh, and, but on the flip side, it's not my job. <laughs> like, I could care less about evangelism. Right? So it goes both ways when it comes to how uh, evangelism is. It's either we put too much burden on the converting, but then on the other side, we're just completely oblivious of even the idea of speaking the truth, which both sides are kind of on the same level in terms of failing to see what true evangelism is, right? Carrie, question? So evangelism isn't just a moment in time. It's not just um, more Park Country Days for three hours. Evangelism is every moment of your life is, is in your being. It's in your whole it's being. Not, it's not just how you speak. It's not just the words you say, but it's how you behave as a Christian and how you live. How you live, yeah. It's every moment. Yeah, especially in this day and age, I know Jeff said knocking on the door, you know, in this day and age, knocking on the door is something that is just gone by the wayside. I know in the previous generation, probably like in the 19, what, what do you think? <laughs> I'm not looking at you, Dave, but I am. But, uh, but like, when was it cool to knock on people's door in general, not even for an evangelism thing, but... Just in general, like not you always now, it's like you have to call, like even as a pastor, I don't just knock on doors, even to my own member. Like I give them a call, say, oh, I'll be there. If I knock, they're surprised and say, what did I do? I'm like, you didn't do anything. Just saying hello, you know, but, but uh, that's the day and age we're living in. So um, I, I guess the point is, is that, you know, when we talk about evangelism, it's important that we know what that is. And simply it's. It's speaking the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. Carrie said being. Your being. Earlier I said, as Lutherans, our core message all the time, time and time again, is Jesus Christ and in him crucified. This is your being as you're connected to Christ in your baptism, of course, as we talked about in Ephesians in our Bible studies. But there you find your assurance. So, when it comes to evangelism, there should not be any burden, nor should there be laziness, because it's not about necessarily your activity, but rather who you are. It's different. Does that make sense? 
Like who you are bears fruit. Like who you are, Tina said, uh, how you live, right? Uh, but how you live is always going back to who you are by the one that has covered you by his blood. Right? It's all the fruit of the spirit, Galatians. Five. Um, <laughs> fruit of the spirit, right? Gentleness, love, patience, kindness. Anyways, um, I know I had the worst sleep last night. You know, the wake up at three o'clock in the morning and went, oh, what time is it? Oh, man. You know? And they just sit there like, oh. Anyways, um, uh, but, uh, but it's your being. And, and I think this is very important when it comes, because I think it's a church. You know, friends, we have Christ. The greatest message that this world needs to hear but it begins with your being. It begins with who you are, the complete, pure gospel of Jesus. Now, we see right here in Acts 2, 14 to 41, and you know this, we just celebrated the season of the festival of Pentecost, right? And we see in Acts 2, 14 to 41, I know I didn't print it out for you. If you have your Bible out, you could always turn there. Uh, but here, I kind of paraphrase it and go through it, but it's, the, it's Peter's sermon, right? Now, this is a great evangelism sermon. Um, but what is he doing here? What's the main thrust? And I know it's a lot of verses. I don't want to put you on the spot here, but what is the main thrust of his sermon? It, what, what, who is the object? What is, what is the object of his sermon? Jesus. Jesus. Does he bring in his own life? I know we talk about like that word personal testimony. You remember those testimonies? People talk about how the Lord has changed their life and how they've done all these things and now the Lord has brought them over from darkness to light and, and has given them this joy. Um, but what does, what does St. Peter do here? He simply does what? He, he does what Jesus says in Luke 24, 44 to 47, to preach repentance and forgiveness. Now, what does he do here in 14, and 14 to 41 in Acts chapter 2? What is he doing? He's doing exactly that. Um, I should look it up uh, to teach you here. But here we see, um, I, I love Acts 2, in verse 22 and following, this is what he says. He says, men of Israel, this is where the law comes in, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, okay, uh, verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So there he is showing them what they had done. And the law was on their heart, knowing that uh, this is what they had done. But Jesus, again, verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Now, so we see that whole picture of the law and gospel. And at the end of the day, here in verse 20, 30, 37, uh, what were they doing? After hearing these words, how were their hearts? Can anyone describe that for me in verse 37? Cut to the heart. heart. Whose work is that? Is that because um, we brought out the scalpel literally and cut them in the heart? Holy Spirit. Spirit. Uh, Why is the Holy Spirit so important when it comes to evangelism? Remember Acts 1.8, right? You will be witnesses 
right? Uh, to uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and to all the Samaria, to the ends of the earth, all by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So when we talk about evangelism, where is our trust? Is it in how we have to try to convert them? Or is it our trust in the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit work? By the word. word. Remember, I always do this. You know I'm going to say word. (laughs) Yes. Um, So by that very word, they were cut to the heart. Now, do you believe in the power of God's word? Do you believe that the power of God's word can convert someone? I mean, you look at your own baptism, of course. We believe that by the power of God's word, we are robed with Christ's righteousness in the water and word of holy baptism. So when you speak, as Anthony said, laying the seed down, God gives the growth. You Apollo, Apollos, God gives the growth, waters, plants, all these things. Uh, but in that, uh, why is that so comforting? knowing that God is doing the work. Because you don't have to get it right. Um, yes. And when we're faced with people, what we're seeing is are people who are born into the fall. Like, it's only by God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit that they can actually believe. Right? Chris might have the most eloquent speech to give to someone, but it's not because she gave an eloquent, eloquent gospel word that they believed it's all by the power of the holy spirit through that very word that has brought them to faith right so my point is is why is a word evangelism right here in the first section why is it so great because it's all about the word the word is doing the work you're just there right what they are receiving is the word but at the same time what they're rejecting is not you it's the word It's all about the word, right? So when you talk about not only the power of God's word and how the word has rescued you, the Christ has has forgiven you of all your sins, in the same way, this is the very word that has uh, also uh, brought those that you speak to into the one true faith, right? Um, I think as a church, this is what we can always think about when it comes to evangelism because there we see, as Carrie said, we go to all of our vocations in life, and there, rather than just seeing a neighbor, we see a soul that needs to hear about Jesus. And that might be, as Tina said, with living our life according to the love of Christ. That might come out in so many different ways for that door to open up, but it always begins in who you are, right? It's not, don't, don't be too quick to speak. Just rejoice in who you are as a child of God. That speaks volumes. Trust me, in a world that is searching in the midst of darkness, this is what they need. And there you are in your being, rejoicing in not only being cut to the heart by the law, but also, as we see right here uh, in Acts chapter 2, what does, uh, you know, they were cut to the heart in verse 37. Brothers, what shall we do, they said uh, to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Verse 38, if someone could read that for me. All right. 
So um, this is uh, that gospel-centered picture, the forgiveness of sins, the law to the gospel, and this is how the Holy Spirit worked as thousands were saved and baptized that day. Right? I was talking to Jeff yesterday on Messenger yesterday. I won't be too um, privy to what our conversation was, but it was a very intense conversation. Totally kidding. But uh, <laughs> we're talking about, as, well, I was talking about, I was on my box of soap, soapbox. Um, and uh, I was telling him about the physical and the spiritual and how we live in a world that is so aimed on the physical, as if the physical is everything. But we need to always be aware of the spiritual. And in light of evangelism, that's what we're seeing. When you're rubbing shoulders with people at work, when you're talking to the people, uh, the clerk at the store, or even your friends, you know, you're seeing a totally different picture than just the physical. You're seeing the spiritual. And there in the spiritual, you also see the words of Christ. And that's what St. Peter was doing. He was simply preaching the word. And the word will do what it does. Isaiah 55, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, the we, we, but at the end of the day, that is what we trust. So if there's someone in your life that needs to hear about Jesus, pray about it. And um, remember... It is not you, but it is Christ and his word that will be proclaimed. Because that's how you were brought into the faith. Right? Um, and speaking of that, we're going to skip this section. We'll go back to it because I'm always out of order. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyways. Uh, in that thought, question within a question, why is free will in regards to spiritual matters a detriment in the evangelism field? Why is our understanding of free will or the lack of free will, why does that dictate how we proceed in evangelism? Any, any thought on that? Well, don't you then feel that you have to get all the words right? Because you actually believe that you can convert them because they have free will. Now, why is that terrifying in a sense... <laughs> What happens in so many different ways uh, when, if that's the case? Because people actually believe this. What, what happens if we're on that road? You never feel like you know the gospel well enough to share, or it's a personal rejection should they choose not to convert. Or if you get it wrong, you feel like you've somehow condemned them. And it's your fault. You're the reason why they didn't believe. How terrifying is that? Again, we cannot convert. It is the word of God by his will in the mystery of God's grace that he lays that seed and faith is brought, right? And that whole thing about it's my responsibility to bring them to faith that I can and they in their free will can decide and choose and believe, uh, that is a very, what's the word? Very burdensome task for you. Um, and that opens up a can of worms, free will. We talked about it eight questions ago, I think. I don't remember. But we talked about free will and how that opens up a can of worms of, of great lack of assurance and, and certainty and terror and wonder, right? So again, you know, when we talk about evangelism and the word, it's the word that sets us free. It's not free will because we are bound. And there by the work, word of Christ, um, there we are um, 
set free uh, by this very gospel. Okay, going back um, to hearing the word, Romans 10, 17. Someone could read that right there for me on your handout. Do you like the arrows? Those are new ones. Um, I, the curvy ones? That's a new move. Um, <laughs> the things that humor me in my life. I'm such a boring person. Anyways. Um, you know, I always thought, you know, I thought one, the straight lines were cool. But then I looked on my insert shape. On my Microsoft Word, I'm like, oh, you can do curvy things. Anyways, um, so faith comes by hearing, hearing the words of Christ. What, why do I put those arrows there? Was it just because I wanted to have fun? Or, or what is it about faith, hearing, and word? How do those all kind of work together? Do they work together? Are they on the same boat? Well, they must be because you did little arrows back. <laughs> that's a good that's a good example, right? <laughs> so faith, I'll do these arrows right here. They're not as cool, but uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. Word is what we hear. Faith comes by hearing that very word. It's by that hearing through the word that faith is created. So, do you, again, as I said earlier, why is baptism so important in terms of Romans 10, 17? Let's say you're a baby baptized. Why is Romans 10, 17 in our baptism so, so comforting? Do you believe that a baby can have faith? Yes or no? Yes, right? Yes, yes. Yes, a baby can have faith. Uh, but pastor, they don't even know the ABCs. I know that took me a while when I was younger to learn those. Did it? I don't remember. But the point is, is that is faith about knowledge? Is faith knowledge? Is faith intellect? Is faith Don as an engineer? Is that what faith is? I always use Don as an Oh, certainly. <laughs> But, but faith is more than that. Faith is a gift. Faith is hearing the word. Faith is Christ. Faith is his very word. Just as a baby hears the words and the Holy Spirit is working on this little infant, covering them by the power of God's word, there you trust that this is what the word can do in those that you tell the word to. You might not see the fruits. You might not see the picture. But you trust in the power of God's word. See, as all these questions and answers, as Nancy would always say, it's all about Jesus. We are slowly being like separated from what he does. And it's the same with evangelism. If you have the core understanding and faith of the gospel, this evangelism, what we're teaching right now, is very clear to you. But if you're stuck in your legalism or you're burdened by some type of law thinking that you have to do something, then evangelism becomes something that you have to do and convert people, right? Big difference. That's why understanding baptism, understanding faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ, trusting that the word of God works by this very will through his word. There it takes on a different color in a sense of how we approach evangelism. Again, we're all here to 
proclaim the certainty of Christ because a world is flailing in the uncertainties of man. And this is the answer. It's not having a better retirement fund or, or having everything set up or, or having this or that in this world. No, people need to hear this, right? Um, and, um, you know, you just never know how God will open those doors. So, faith comes on hearing. How do we hear Christ? John 16 on your handout, 8 to 11. This is uh, how Jesus really uh, uh, talks about the Holy Spirit, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, that is to convict sinners, that is to comfort us with righteousness through the righteousness of Christ, but also to judge the devil, right? To condemn him, right? This is how uh, the Holy Spirit works in Apostles' Creed, Article 3. Of course, this is how the Holy Spirit works. He creates faith in us by this very word. It's all about the power of God's word and how he has set you free, but always in the same way, how this word has set those around you free. And this is what we proclaim. All right. Hebrews 4.12. If someone could read that for me, um, it's on your handout or in the Bible. It's up to you. But someone could read Hebrews 4.12 for me. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. All right, so the power of God's word is often underestimated, especially in the evangelism field. We learn much about ourselves in terms of our own reliance upon self or upon God and his word. Read Isaiah 55, 11. Anyone for me? I didn't write it out there, but Isaiah 55, 11. This is, this is the key right here. Hearing the word evangelism, hearing the word evangelism. Um, Isaiah 55, 11. All right. So the will of God, his word, will accomplish what it desires. What did we learn about predestination uh, probably two months ago? We learned what? That this is, uh, there is the mystery of God's grace, but what we do know is the blood of Christ and what he has done for us, that he has chosen us by his very work, right? And in the same way, we see right here that I can't convert. Don, even with the most intricate or Patrick with his wiring skills. I don't, that would scare me, Patrick, to touch wires. I'm like, I turn into a different person. It's either wires or wizard or lizards uh, that I get totally a different person and snakes. I'm not, I'm no snake guy, uh, but uh, I turn into a totally different person. But the point is, is that, is it, is it, is it how we, how we try to tool this together to convert someone? No. It's, it's the power of God's word. Do you believe that the, the word of God is efficacious? That means, do you believe that it works? Like, and this is very important because when it comes to free will, uh, when it comes to uh, the complete grace of God, if we think that we're part of that, then evangelism becomes a totally different beast. When we know that it's always Jesus, Christ must increase, I must decrease, their evangelism takes form of a great joy and fullness that is of Christ alone, right? It says my word, not your words, not because of uh, an example of how good we are or, 
or let's say how much God has done this or that in my life, right? But actually, it's just the words of Christ and what he has done. And this is the key to what is full of good news of great joy. The very words, right, uh, uh, of the angels saying, this is what has come to the world, the, the good news of great joy, right? And, and uh, this is the picture uh, of how powerful the word is. It cuts, right, two-edged sword to the vision of our marrow, our deepest place, convicting and also comforting us, right? And, and this is the spiritual uh, that we need to always address in the midst of the physical, as me and Jeff talked about last night. Um, I won't go through that too deeply, but uh, we see right here, um, Matthew 13, again, another example of who, of how the word works. Uh, You know this story of the parable, of course, of uh, the sower explained, actually, we're just going to do the short order here, but we see in verses 18 to 23, the, the explanation of the parable of the sower, which was earlier there in Matthew 13, but we see the different scenarios. Uh, verse 19, we see the path, right? Those who did not understand the word, the devil comes and snatches away. The rocky ground, verse 20, 21, those who hear the word, right? The word. But when trials and tribulations come, they quickly fall away. Verse 22, thorns, the cares of the world and the riches choke the word. And good soil, they hear the word and understand it and bear much fruit. So everything, at the end of the day, is about what? The word, right? Everything is about the word. And when we depart from the word, when the devil snatches it away, when we are choked by the world, uh, or when we are in good soil, it's all about that very word. And that's the center. It's the center of our proclamation. 1 Peter 3.15 that we are called to defend the hope that is in us. Now, I know we've gone through a lot here, and we have one more section. We have uh, seven more minutes. But the point is, is this, a question for you guys is, how do you, when we talk about evangelism, is it, is it a, a daunting task? Honestly, let's be honest with ourselves. At times, it can be. Um, it can be. Uh, I think a lot of times it's, if I tell my close friend about this, Jesus, and let's say they, they reject me, then our relationship is going to be different. It's going to be severed. It could be awkward. I don't know if I want to do that. Or, or I'm just going to be humiliated by this. Um, or that rejection, that pride, oof, I don't know if I can handle that. Or maybe I just don't want to rock the boat. And I, they can be them, and I am me, so let's just keep it civil here. Um, Now, what am I not seeing when I'm saying that to myself? Alluding to me and Jeff's conversation. What am I not seeing when I'm... That the Holy Spirit is in charge of all of that, not you. And I'm failing to see the spiritual. I'm failing to see that this is a person, hypothetical Anthony. Well, he's not hypothetical because he is Anthony. Um, (laughs) Right? Yes. Um, But hypothetically... He's not just flesh and bone, right? He is, he is a spiritual being. Uh, he needs the words of Christ because we all were born into sin, right? And again, um, this is uh, why we uh, look at the spiritual and say, this is what they need to hear. 
They might not know it, but this is what they need to hear. And trust me, that takes time. You know, um, you know, sometimes you can't force it. Sometimes you can't just shove it down people's throat. Sometimes it's just simply gaining those relationships, not for the motive of simply, I got to evangelize to them, but rather because out of the love of who you are, you have these relationships and there God opens the door. He knows the time. He brought you into the faith. He will bring them into the faith if this is his will. And there you are in their lives. There's a reason why you're in their lives. It's not because you're just related or you're just friends or coworkers. There's a bigger reason, right? Does that, does that make sense? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about here? The spiritual, right? It's not just physical. We're not just dealing with people who are connected in some random way, but there's a reason why. And that is all spiritual. And that's what we're going to close with here. Um, opening the doors through evangelism. Acts 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, right? And this is what I'm talking about here. Um, about relationship. Um, yeah. Uh, Acts 8, if you could turn there quickly. Uh, we see Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, the Ethiopian eunuch was kind of like that treasure, that close worker to the queen of Candace. And uh, uh, actually, un- I don't want to talk usually about eunuchs, but since they were close to the queen, uh, they were actually um, castrated. Um, for that avoidance of any type of, uh, anyways, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> that's not the point of evangelism here, not about castration, but the point is, is about, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why I didn't get a lot of sleep, right? That's the point. But the point is, is that Philip was doing a lot of good work. The crowds, if you see earlier in Acts chapter 8, they were believing, he was preaching, he was teaching, uh, many came to the faith, but then who in Acts 8, led him down this desert road. The Spirit led him to this desert road. Just think about that. Let's say you have a church, Faith Lutheran Church, Moore Park, we're overflowing at the seams, and all is going well. And as, let's say, uh, uh, for me as a pastor, um, let's say um, the Holy Spirit, uh, by the will of God, leads me, let's say, uh, to a church of one, two people. Um, our human self would say, no, that's, that'd be a very difficult thing. We've got a lot of good things going on here. Like, why would we want to go to a, a church that is barely, like, surviving and barely can even survive? Um, and I think in the same way, Philip, it's like he's having this flourishing ministry. The Holy Spirit sends him down this desert road, literally desert. No one in sight, right? Think about that. It's like, as a human being, you'd be like, what's the point? I mean, I have this great ministry going. And you want me to go to this desert place. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, who does he meet? The Ethiopian eunuch who is trying to read the scroll of Isaiah, doesn't understand it. And what does St. Uh, Philip do? He, he teaches him what this is all about. He, he shows him and, and proclaims the gospel. So when we talk about relationship, this is the Holy Spirit that brought Philip to this point. Do you know what I mean here about relationship? It's more than any rhyme or reason that you have these people in your life. There is a bigger reason. And for St. Philip, as we look at him today, it's all by the work of the Holy Spirit who who not only brought him to this desert place on this road of Gaza, uh, but also, also what? That he opened the door for evangelism. 
Now, even, even if that wasn't great, what happens? In the desert place, uh, there uh, the Ethiopian was baptized in a desert. Oh, there's water. Look at that. Right? Like, do you see? Relationship. Right? Um, and in this day and age, uh, going back to what Tina said about living and loving, we're living in a world that doesn't, just doesn't love anymore. It's sad. Like, loving one another has become kind of like a... Uh, it sounds nice, <laughs> but really? Right? Uh, and uh, sometimes it, you just never know how the Holy Spirit will work. Just like Philip. Human reason said, no way, there's nothing here. Why are you sending me down here? Like... I had all the good stuff happening there. But down here, there's... Oh, 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 what? What? Ethiopia? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, that's the reason, right? All by the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about opening doors of evangelism, this is all by the work of the Holy Spirit. And you are there to 1 Peter 3.15, as we see right here um, on the first page, or the second page, yes, um, to defend the hope that is in you, Right? I'm in the middle right there, 1 Peter 3.15. With gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. Why is having a good conscience so important in your evangelism? What is a good conscience? That you are declared righteous in front of God. Like, that's your good conscience. Like, look, the grave has been overcome, your sins are forgiven, and the words that come out of your mouth that you tell them is not you. It's what has been done for you. Evangelism is full, is, is full of good news of great joy because it's Jesus that you are proclaiming, right? You're not trying to give a great story about, uh, uh, about how much you've done or how good you are or if you believe in God, he will reap all these good benefits back at you and, and if you <laughs> believe in God, then he will give you all these things in life. No, you are proclaiming simply the good news of great joy and that is Jesus because this is who you are. You only proclaim who you are. If you are mixing that up with legalism, you will proclaim that too. If you are mixed up with your own false idea of what this gospel is as a transaction, as a, this is the baton, now I have to go with it and and figure it out for myself and and solidify my name in the book of life, that's the proclamation you're going to give. But for us, pure gospel here, this is what we give. And as I said, every question that we've had, it's all Jesus and what he has done for us. And with a good conscience, you go because you're that good conscience is the blood of Christ that has declared you righteous and forgiven all by his sins, all by his work on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And this is the key, right, uh, to your evangelism. Once we start thinking that we have to do it, we always have to go back to who we are. That is what has been done for us. Because once we start doing, trust me, our legalism takes action and says, I have to do this. When in fact you... You, um, you rewind, and you say, wait, no, this is who I am by the word and the sacraments that I feed on every week, that I hear the gospel every week, that I'm declared righteous every day and every week, forgive us our trespasses, confession and absolution, all these things. And that is who you are, the greatest joy that is given to you, declared righteous by the blood of Christ. And this is evangelism. It's who you are. It's simple. And there you go on to love and serve in your vocations. And when those doors are there, as the Holy Spirit opens them, you speak and defend the truth that is in you. 
out of great gentleness, love, and respect. And this is the constant. And I know Carrie's going to bring up the question. I know she is. Well, well, why not them? I'm, 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 you know, and I love Carrie's fervor for evangelism because I think it's, it's something that we all need. Um, but she's always like, you know, she has this fervent joy to do this. And again, my, my answer would be, I don't know. But what I do know is that this word is successful. I mean, that word you give to people, that is a successful evangelism encounter because you gave them the word, not the result. Even if they convert, let's say, it is still the same success as if they rejected it because that success is simply proclaiming who you are. And who you are is Jesus under his care. And that's the greatest joy. That's why evangelism is so joyful because you're just saying who you are. And who you are is the greatest news full of joy because it's all Jesus. You are going with a good conscience because it's all him. It's always been about him for you and for them that you speak to. Do you see that? That is something spiritual that this world will never get. But you are here in your station in life to say, hmm, why is that person my friend? Are they just human friends, human being friends? Or is there a bigger picture there? Let's pray about that, right? Pray for those open doors. They need to hear Jesus too. And, uh, and that is all about our own being. So any questions on this before we close? Um, does, that, does that make sense to you? There's a lot of this always rooted uh, about what your faith is. Because at the end of the day, evangelism will shed light on what your faith is a lot of times. But do you guys understand this? Any, any thoughts on this before we close? So is evangelism, the evangel- is, it, is evangelism not my job? Is it evangelism only the pastor's job? No. Is evangelism only the evangelism committee's job? No. Evangelism is who you are. And who are you? You're a child of God reconciled to his name by the body and blood of Jesus. It's who you are. Not, I'm not going to say whether you like it or not, because we indeed love it. But it's, it's out of that joy that our cup overflows. Psalm 23. Right? Overflowing with the body and blood of Jesus. The sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. All right. So go off to the field being who you are. That's it. Be who you are. And that's Jesus for you. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Bless us, O Lord, in the stations that you have given to us in our life. Bless our families. Bless our children. Bless our neighbors. Lord, bless those uh, that are close to us. Lead us, O Lord, in your word and in the being that you give by your mercy and grace. May we proceed with a good conscience, knowing that we are declared righteous in your sight. Bless us in our humble proclamation of your bold promise in the gospel. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.